Hi, Amir. Welcome to Jeff's Marketing Academy, also known as Web3 Digital Marketing Entrepreneur Podcast. And uh, it's so great to have you here. So please tell a bit about yourself and how you started in the metaverse space and everything so far. Thank you for having me, Jeff. I, um, I'm the CEO of Virtualeap. My, my background before Virtualeap and before the VR sector was uh, uh, starting at the market research side of things. I, I worked with companies like Electronic Arts and, and understanding users and, and all of these um, uh, techniques that have to do with big numbers of, of sample sizes and ultimately being able to do predictions based on, on those statistics and sample sizes. Uh, quantitative research versus qualitative, where qualitative is all about you know, digging into the individual's uh, subconscious and all these things. Yeah. And I went from market research quite uh, seamlessly to, to games publishing for mm-hmm. about eight years. I was in that sector until I, I particularly wanted to get into the VR sector, but didn't have any experience. So my, my decision was to become a tech writer for about four years for blogs like TechCrunch and VentureBeat. I only wrote about pretty much virtual reality. So when that time... I don't know, hit like 80 plus articles, I kind of knew that VR and specifically VR for education and VR for healthcare was where I wanted to go into. And that's the essence of, of virtually. Awesome. And, you know, uh, so you are actually, you actually worked in EA. That's like Electronic Arts, the gaming company and all that, right? I didn't work for them. I was huh. their partner. They, okay. uh, I, I ran what they called a, a online panel. I was their online hmm. panel panel uh, partner. So what we did is we converted um, a very large uh, database of EA customers and, and converted them into uh, basically research panelists online who would okay. regularly respond to research studies and so on. So they, you know, EA would have a market research team, but they would outsource every kind of operational act of actual research, which in our case, we were the, or I was the one that was their point man. It must have really helped you, right? Like, you know, gaining that experience from a gamified, you know, that places and putting that in a VR healthcare where. I think you're right. It gave me exposure that ultimately little pieces of this and little pieces of that kind of like a jigsaw puzzle. I yeah. look at I look at careers in general mm-hmm. or self-knowledge in any way you want to, uh, you know, cut it. All these types of uh, ways of, of finding your place in the world sometimes it's it's often uh, uh, an experience of of uh finding little pieces and then holding on to the ones that that are meaningful and then hopefully if you're lucky you you find a way to put all of them together yeah understood so uh you know just i have one interesting thing to ask you is that since you're in spain and uh, we have seen a lot of these uh vra or xr you know all these technologies have been talked mainly in the context of it's been done in the US or, you know, very uh, major regions. Okay, now there, there is a lot of small, uh, not small, but countries that are not usually viewed as such has been talked about recently these days. So how's the market going in your place and, you know, in the surroundings of yourself as well? Yeah, well, on the research side, which I'm really heavily centric on, you know, when you look at the neuroscience studies of VR being used for pain management or behavioral modification techniques, or in the cases of, of, of where virtually is centered in cognition and cognitive training, cognitive therapeutics, diagnostics, you know, the studies come worldwide. 
sometimes you don't know about the studies in some uh, domains, some regions because of the language barrier, uh, sadly enough. But in, it, typically that's not the usual, uh, usual thing. Uh, the best studies are always more or less um, in English. Uh, luckily, it's in one language that more or less you can see the, the, the biggest publications that regardless of where those studies were done. So we know in China, Japan, uh, India, uh, Middle East, everywhere pretty much. Yeah. Uh, and yet you are correct. The bulk of things research wise and certainly commercial wise happens in the U.S. It, it's it's becoming less restrictive because of the price point, you know, compared to three, four years ago, the price point of a VR headsets, maybe half price almost. So yeah. if that trend keeps on going, then you won't have to restrict other economies from, from having access to it because it does come down to, um, uh, you know, the size of people's wallets for discretionary mm. income, you know, and do, do the school systems um, in countries and across, you know, uh, Asia, um, Europe, do they still have the same kind of um, capacity to yeah. get the high tech gear? I think COVID certainly served in one way as an equalizer in making people realize uh, the value of these technologies if we are to encounter these types of challenges again in the future. And I think, and I'm always knocking on wood, that a lot of these school systems, healthcare systems worldwide, not just in the U.S., are increasingly looking into implementing them. Yeah, the, the reason why I was asking the question is because... Um, I have this Google News alert and I have, you know, keywords like virtual reality and augmented reality and all that in the Google alerts and have never seen uh, researches or, you know, things like that from any of the European countries or anywhere at all. Because mostly it focused on, if, if I put VR, the main concept I get is, you know, from the Oculus. But when I dig a little bit deep, there's like tons of VR headsets out there, which is, you know, uh, cheaper and, you know, which has way more, uh, how to say, uh, technologies and everything so let's say for the audience who is very familiar with just the oculus do you have mm. any other headset that you know you would suggest or you would say for enterprises to try them out uh in your opinion so um in fact oculus the the brand name has been uh phased out now it's called the meta uh quest yeah. Uh, um, you know, a lot of us who have been in the industry long enough, we, we do miss that nostalgic uh, Oculus brand, but it's, it's no longer called that. Um, the MetaQuest 2, MetaQuest 3 coming up uh, with a lot of cool features. You know, if it wasn't for Meta, this industry, as far as I'm concerned, would not exist as in its current maturity, especially on the B2B front. Consumer side is still uh, not something I would necessarily call mainstream in, in some ways because we don't have the data to really understand um, retention and so on. Um, there's, you know, only two particular competitors, I would say, you know, in a, in a certain light, uh, there's HTC, which is a Taiwan uh, headquartered uh, company, uh, been around in VR for quite some time. Um, an interesting company that has a completely different strategy in terms of product releases and, and approaches, uh, more flexible in some ways, I would say they've, they've, um, been, uh, more curious and experimenting with B2B applications and partnerships mm. uh, on serious use cases a little bit earlier than I, I think Meta in some ways, which has on their part really been trying to punch through this consumer side, which I think is also, you know, a worthy uh, focus. You have to go, what is your focus? What is your strategy? How do you do it? It's a really complex thing when it's a frontier technology. The third uh, competitor is, is Pico, 
um, mm. Chinese uh, headquartered, but increasingly uh, um, emergent in, in, in Europe and the US, uh, mm. very preferred across the B2B side of things, particularly yeah. because of Meta's um, somewhat controversial past with data collection. Uh, Pico doesn't have that, that um, history. And so it is somewhat preferred when it comes to hospitals and so on. Got it. And I think the data and all that, there's definitely a lot of issues already happening. But with the VR headset, I think the data collection will be like way more advanced. Just imagine like they will track your eye movement and say, okay, <laughs> this guy is seeing this. So place that ads over there. So whoever right. bids more ads, you know, in that particular section of the headset, they'll get more return or something. So, yeah, I think that's uh, pretty interesting. And, you know, before moving on to the healthcare section or, you know, of the conversation, um, since, as you mentioned, this VR industry wouldn't have matured this much if it's not for Meta. And uh, I mean, to be honest, I, I think it's uh, true to some extent because I've never heard, I've heard of these technologies, but not like, you know, in a very vast manner. So what would you say to those people who want to enter into this space and you know, the enterprises, like how much it would cost them to implement these technologies and, you know, how they can do it? Any take on that? If you're um, if you're a company that wants to be interested in this, if you're a user, you know, if you're an individual, it's different, of course. But mm-hmm. a lot of times, people in, in companies, or let's say it's a an uh, older adult aging clinic or senior living community, you know, a lot mm-hmm. of those people want to use these technologies for novelty, you know, yeah. reduce the deterioration towards Alzheimer's disease, mm-hmm. you know, longevity. VR is really powerful for these applications. Of course, K twelve. But people always think that they need more headsets than they actually do. You know, uh, how, you know, do you need 15 headsets to budget for? Oh, my God, it's so expensive. No, maybe you only need three or two. You know, uh, so I think um, it's, uh, people go too big too soon, mm. whereas you just experiment with a device. You can even rent these devices experimentally for periods of time. So it, it's really about, is there a will to do it? If there's a will to do it, there's always a way to do it. I think what, de- depending on the use case, which we aren't defining here, but um, you know, there's things in K-12 that VR can do for igniting passion. Uh, there's a lot of people who are visual learners, spatialized learners, uh, kinet- kinesthetic learners. VR is a multi-sensory, uh, you know, your proprioception is feeling it intuitively. It's designed for the human system because it's an imitation of real reality versus the types of interfaces with a 2D screen-based device, mm-hmm. which is really alien technology. If you have any older adult, someone even in their 80s, go into a virtual reality environment, they're going to be able to understand how to pick up a, a glass of water in VR yes. because it's the imitation of it. So, you know... Um, ecologically valid environments have huge, huge advantages when it comes to adherence levels, when mm-hmm. it comes to engagement across a period of time that usually doubles when people start getting bored of a screen-based device. So the, 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 they need to understand the value. And if they have the value, then I don't think cost is really an issue, to be honest. Hmm. And I think they have to understand the reason they have they are entering also, right? I think a lot of people actually enter just for the sake of maybe getting onto news or you know some right. brands might do that. Right. Well, you know, there is certainly a lot of that across the board. I've been in the industry only about five years, six years now, and it feels like doggy years with VR. It doesn't feel like just six years. It feels longer. 
I feel old, in fact, from it. And, and because it's a frontier tech and you're always pushing the envelope to get noticed, to, to break through, to, to hold on and convert a one-year deal into multi-year because you don't know how those perceptions are, are changing or, or fading. Um, a lot of people do do it for the novelty effect. You're certainly correct. I think the biggest companies do that even more than the smaller ones. They have like, you know, R&D innovation arms that just want to show that they're doing R&D and innovation. And then after a couple of years, they did just discontinue something that they built a community around. And then they actually abandoned that community in the most psychopathic way, to be honest. So uh, I, that's very, very top of mind to me even right now. Exactly. And one of the examples I could think of straight away is, I don't know, uh, this is a very big company. I don't want to say the name because I don't want to be wrong at the same time. But me, they have me been neither. Saying, yeah. Me neither, yeah. <laughs> so they're saying uh, they will do it on and off. They say they will do, they won't. But I think, uh, you know, it like how this, when this AI technology came in, there's a lot of companies who wanted to push the same trend and lost the billions of dollars. I think they are trying to do the same, but in a very careful manner, not exactly mm. giving out the points, but okay, we will do, we won't do still no sale done. So no damage done. Yeah, I think that's a pretty, <laughs> you know, uh, thing to look after. So yeah. Some of the, some of them are really into it because they have certain mm. groups within their ecosystem uh, yeah. that are champions of it. Very hardcore. And I, and I have a couple of those names in my head right now, whereas there's other ones that once that, project kind of that pr stunt almost mm -hmm. is over they just recycle those individuals who are like chameleons within the middle management of a company yeah. and they just go from like you know xr innovation to yeah. web3 innovation and every shiny <laughs> next thing that comes out oh the word metaverse is here Let, i'm gonna be a metaverse yeah. uh you know mover and shaker I, and then, you know, so there's two different types of people, two different types of creatures, the ones who are lifelong champions of something because in their core, they become believers of the value of that technology to, in the case of VR, transcend literally space and time to democratize access to the bleeding edge of so many things that were never possible before because of the embodiment of VR. In my case, virtually the embodiment means we can actually engage the full biochemistry range of a human being you know, into an experience. You can't do that when anything else. So treating phobias is treating PTSD for, for veterans, yeah. uh, chemo brain and long COVID and ADHD, all these things. So it's a profound applications. So if those individuals, for example, like founders, what separates a founder? A good founder usually has a story that why they're in it for a personal reason, not just because they're just, you know, want to be a founder because it's sexy or something. I don't know. But there are those people. They're just doing it because there is nothing else better to do versus the mission-driven ones. And that's the same truth for people in those big organizations and what makes those organizations either, you know, just dabblers or mission-driven. Yeah. And what was your why? <laughs> just curious to ask. Well, my personal uh, phobias got me into VR. Fear of heights. I, I, I started learning. I was approaching VR to, to help with my vertigo. And then I started writing for VentureBeat and TechCrunch on it. So my neural, neural networks started wrapping themselves around VR on a, on a daily basis. You know, like um, how many notebooks of research I wrote by hand and then converted into these articles of 750 words per pop and, you know, talking to so many experts across the, the different domains. So it's a mix of those, those 
two things, personal interests, getting me into helping myself, and then side by side, actually becoming an expert on how it can help not just me, but a vast range of, of people and, and conditions and circumstances. Wow, that's pretty cool, actually, because, uh, you know, for me, I started in a very cliche way. Uh, I had my heart broken when I was in college and I was like, ah, I have to do something in life, you know, to make sure that not getting revenge mentality, but to show off to people. Then that's when I started, uh, you know, watch the Gary Vaynerchuk's advertisement on Anchor. And then mm. I was like, okay, let's start a podcast. It was, I just started a podcast four years ago. This is kind of my sixth show. But I had like four other shows, which is like two of them are not uh, consistent right now. But I think, like you mentioned, the personal reasons have really great impact. And uh, with the person the reason that you mentioned as well. But with the VR, what are the other things that can be solved as well? One thing you mentioned is the phobias and PTSD and all the things. Do you have any other uh, things that are, can also be solved using the virtual reality? You mean like, I, well, you know, the game... There's so many games out there and triple A uh, quality games for, hmm. you know, shooting zombies, escapism, distraction oriented activities to spend 20 hmm. or plus minutes on some game. The, you know, I've never been into that. I've never even thought VR is a good uh, solution for that. I think hmm. VR is that kind of solution that helps us get back into the real world. You know, that's why I'm so education and healthcare oriented. The games are really making good money as well. So at least that's a that's a, a, a focus that will keep the big players like PlayStation, for example, the latest um, yeah. um, PlayStation with their latest VR uh, attachments and so on. These are these are doing quite well and they're going to continue to do well because of the AAA uh, yeah. game uh, studios. And so in a way, we have to always be us smaller players focusing on very serious use cases, we have to be uh, aware of how the market works and that yeah. gaming is, you know, um, I don't like to bring it up, but pornography, of course, and gaming are the yeah. two, two drivers that really push uh, a lot of new technologies into mm. proper adoption, right? I think if pornography w wasn't uh, the mover and shaker that it was, we wouldn't have the whole fintech movement as 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 advanced as it is right now and of course <laughs> gaming and gambling those three things yeah. right which are more or less somewhat vices in, in not let's not say triple a gaming is a vice but certainly gambling and, and the other uh are so they 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 are using the top passions of of, of a certain categories and that brought them in and certainly in, in VR I have no idea I make a point not to look into what's happening in the in the pornography VR uh, uh, scene and venture capital really stays away from from that area too which is helpful mm -hmm. so we don't have to get too many updates in my latest what's going on and who got funded we don't we don't we don't get any of that of course there is stuff happening it's just not visible in the, in the news um, yeah. but I'm sure that plays a role too yeah, you know, I just want to mention one small thing. Being a marketer, I've done some keyword research regarding the virtual reality. <laughs> and when I did that, I went to Semraj. And what I found is the top performing keyword is VR for pornography. Like, or, you know, uh, this other thing, uh, pole dancing, something like uh, strip club. Yeah, really? Yeah. Wow. Those things are like top performing keywords and like tons of competitors are out there. So I've always wondered, like, but I, I don't know how these things got really popular and it was never in the light. I mean, uh, mm. you know, under service, you search for it, 
you will never get the details okay this much a billion dollar industry is making in vr no one would have ever known uh, have you ever got any request like that like some people who are asking you to create things like that have you ever got any request i um one of my friends uh that i worked with in the game publishing industry i know um he was uh you know sought out to invest in a in a vr porn venture uh that's my limit actually <laughs> that's all i know and again it's it's because my consciousness uh avoids the the the, the dark valleys I, i think when it comes to the latest technologies and what they're going to be unlocking yeah. um chat gpts with ai um deep fakes um with with vr i mean we're going to go into some areas where there will be some technologies mm-hmm. that are going to have a very deleterious effect on uh, you know tiktoks already destroying short term memory processing skills yeah. in our net latest generation our our technology of virtually is all oriented towards rebuilding the attention levels uh mm-hmm. you know the strengthening uh memory muscles and 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 all these types of cognitive domains i think the majority of these technologies are going to have a horrible consequence that we need to pay attention on developing the remedies Yeah. the double edged sword is is always there but it's the sword itself is getting bigger and sharper as technologies get sleeker and 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 mm. more magical and 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 mysterious in their effects exactly and i also saw this video where you know uh, someone mentioning that uh, he was actually memory champion you know in a website that you know five times and stuff and it was yes. pretty interesting and how he used the vr about having different panels you know for enterprises use cases So would you like to tell a little bit more about you know virtually and how you guys are implementing and doing those stuff as well? Yes, we've been working since 2018 and particularly uh in stealth mode for about 4 years before we could even commercialize because you can't cut corners when you're making science backed or science driven mm-hmm. technologies of this sort. Uh we created a applic- an application and and technologies to be agnostic across a variety of cognitive domains. So therapeutic areas like alzheimer's disease but also adhd also being used in the pharma uh, sector to help speed up clinical trials really a variety of different things and that enterprise tool is really designed for clinicians or researchers or commercialized you know partners publishers licensors yeah. the 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 main pilots that we're currently running right now include one with roche the pharma specific to serving as a remote cognitive monitoring tool for for those living with dementia for example at home being taken care of by their families or caretakers um MIT did a uh, pilot last summer where they were focusing on uh using an algorithm that we have mm-hmm. in our system that takes it kind of goes into your last point about biosensors but we some of the headsets have pupil dilation tracking and heart rate variability and we mm-hmm. have an algorithm that takes those biosensors and calculates with an AI learning algorithm whether the individuals focused or not in real time. Hmm. So MIT did a study using our our tool and the algorithm to see what was a self perception of effort levels versus actual cognitive load. That's, you know, another area and last Friday we published our first uh study on a on a on the in the Frontiers of Virtual Reality journal hmm. uh on the therapeutic potential effects on ADHD students with ADHD. So, you know, it's really about being a technology partner enabling academics and clinics and and commercial partners to use it in whichever direction from K12 to company human performance programs and training uh and of course uh therapeutic areas like can we slow down 
cognitive deterioration past mm-hmm. a certain uh, older age and battle this 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 scary illness called Alzheimer's disease. Got it. And I think you also covered the areas mainly, you know, for in the healthcare sector that's been you know used. And uh, one point I want to you know point is that uh, for the old age people, because I think there's a lot of things happening. For, for example, there was this virtual church. I know for people who couldn't actually go to churches, you know, they yes. sponsored at home. It was happening like way before, I think in what May 2020 something, it was happening uh, during that stage as well. So uh, I think you are focusing mainly on six sectors. At least that's what I got from the site <laughs> so far. Uh, sorry for stalking. <laughs> so from the six sectors, uh, which one is do you think is performing so well, you know, currently? You know, it's uh, it's a big question right now. <laughs> because we are in a fork in the road where I really want to focus on K-12 with students, with learning, with self-knowledge. And then on the other hand, there's so much emphasis on these healthcare issues like, you know, ADHD. And when you have COVID, people are having memory fog. And, Mm -hmm. and it's so interesting. And when we get these big companies come in and we're a small, you know, millennium Falcon, it's just Chewy and Han Solo on board with a skeleton crew. When a big you know, naval ship comes, comes over and, and tells us to go in this direction and has resources, we do get kind of gravitated towards the wake that they bring. And that's not a good thing. It means sometimes we get this way and then that way we wiggle around. I personally, this year, I'm very much trying to focus as much as possible on ADHD to be a therapy for it in that direction of doing clinical studies that advance that validation, become an FDA regulated uh, uh, solution that can be reimbursed by doctors that can prescribe a video game, enhanced VR, instead of uh, prescribing a drug like, uh, I don't know, Ritalin for for ADHD and so on. I think that's my personal uh, focus at the moment is is youth and and learning difficulties. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Oh, I, th- I, mean, I wish you all the luck, you know, for this year and so all the other things. And uh, just before going to the final section, uh, this is something I always ask my guest, you know, after the box. Uh, is it morning or evening there? Uh, what time is it? It's 2 p.m. So neither. Neither. Okay. So uh, the question is, who was actually the first person that you made smile today? Oh, it's my wife, for sure. <laughs> I'm I'm such a joker. I I de- I couldn't I couldn't have failed to make her smile today. I I I I make I make it. It's my duty to mm. to make her uh, mornings uh, as 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 happy uh, as possible. And to be honest, I, you're the second face I've actually seen today. So that has <laughs> to be true. Wow, <laughs> great. So uh, just one final question I want to ask you is that uh, since we've talked a lot about VR and healthcare in the industries and everything. What do you think the future holds? Because uh, a lot of investments are coming in. And even though the recession is going on, I've seen the MetaQuest has done a lot of things on sales. So what do you think the future holds for VR, especially in the healthcare industry? Mark Zuckerberg is the captain of that ship. And to some extent, it's a very strange company compared to competitors. You know, Google or Apple or all these other ones, they're much more... They're, they're just much more standard corporations in many ways. Uh, not to say that they're not all different in, in many, many other ways, not to, not to say black or white, uh, but Meta is 
doubling and tripling down. They're not moving out of that sector and their next device is going to have passed through mixed reality, which means, uh, and a lot of their focus right now is not necessarily VR. It's mm -hmm. VR applications could, that can also be AR with the same one device. And that's going to be, I think, the next uh, Quest 3 device. So as usual, they're the ones who push that next you know, uh, frontier into yeah. play. And then the rest of the, the companies that are less kamikaze oriented mm. like Zuckerberg is in, in this direction, like all in or nothing, you know, yeah. Valhalla, we know a uh, real, like, this is the, the spirit that I like. And, and I think you're going to see a, a much more mature state of the industry when mm. this next generation of devices with, with pass through mixed reality embedded into them and the value proposition of that device at the same price point, more or less, yeah. suddenly becomes much more interesting because people might start using that, that headset outside for the first time. You don't want to use a, a VR headset in a coffee shop when you take <laughs> off the headset, your phone and your wallet are gone. Yeah, <laughs> oh, that would be pretty crazy. <laughs> and also having that much, you know, headset in, inside a particular place. It's not, really it's, not, it's, not, it's, not, it's very socially awkward. If yeah. as only VR device, but if you make it a pass-through device, if you make it a mixed reality device that has both VR and AR functionality, now we're talking. That's this exactly. year. That's what we're going into now. Awesome. Really looking forward to that. So, uh, Mayor, thank you so much, you know, for hopping onto the show. Uh, so right now, table's turned. Is there anything else that you want to ask me? You know, what would you like to see in the next uh, two, three years in, in VR? What excites you the most? Well, to be honest, I'm kind of the same. I'm kind of the same boat that you were. To, right now, I'm, I've actually started this marketing journey after seeing Zuckerberg's, you know, a lot of things and talks and stuff. So uh, I did my marketing and did my MBA and all that. And did, I'm actually a digital marketer right now. I'm actually uh, working in a company. And when he turned that to virtual reality and all that, I was really interested. Okay, this guy is going somewhere. Let's try to tag along with him. So I'm kind of learning the face of virtual reality, you know, all that stuff and trying to get into that space, you know, maybe a career or all this stuff. So my main aim is that if those VR headsets could come down to a price in a probably two or three years where a normal person can actually use and get benefited out of it, then it would be great because smartphones, it, it took a lot of years for smartphones to come to a price point. So everyone is saying that, you know, a VR headset would be as important as a smartphone. So if it comes to a price point where, okay, you can, a normal person can use for his uh, ADHD or, you know, PTSD or whatever thing that he's facing, then that's something that I would really uh, love to have. Yeah. You're talking about what, a hundred dollars for the minimum product less, or what, what would the, what would that <laughs> yeah. price point be? Because right now it's about $400, right? And some smartphones yeah. are six, seven, 800 more, but you're talking about smartphones that ultimately can be purchased for maybe 50 bucks. You should have a wide range of options that everyone can have access, right? Yeah, mainly uh, yeah, even smartphones. That's like uh, with more features comes, you know, more prices. And I think the four hundred dollars maybe is because of an offer or something, or is it like a standard price point? Uh, I they're think subsidized. They're subsidized. Yeah, <laughs> yeah they're losing money on every headset if it's four hundred. Yeah, exactly. So I think uh, you know the more features you want, the more price it comes. I think that would be fine. But with the minimum of you know maybe. For 300 to 500 and majorly depends on uh, country basis also right because for a us person and 18 it's like way different uh you know things is there but 
yeah i think um, once it has a normal at least a middle class or a higher middle class person can offer that then maybe it is it will work because insurance companies are also giving something for the virtual reality people saying uh, i don't know i read this news somewhere so yeah may coming to that that would be great yeah well i look forward to it and and i think it will be a, a period of 3 to 5 years um yeah. in which we'll start seeing the light at the end of mm-hmm. the tunnel exactly so yeah so uh, i mean thanks again you know for hopping on to the story if in case people want to find you and your services uh, where would that be i would add me on linkedin i'm a really hardcore user of linkedin so you can find me amir bozorgzade virtually you can also email me if you're potentially a kind of organization that would be interested in research projects we love that uh, clinic clinics um academics uh, researchers at universities Uh, we adore those types of opportunities. If you want to license our solution as a company as well, please just um, email me at Amir A M I R at virtually dot com. Great. So, guys, I'll definitely link everything in the description below, so you can go and check him out. And Amir, thanks again, and uh, we'll see you guys in the next episode.